1: It's Gold905 Sounds good Feels good Welcome back We're with Chef Ming Tan He's brand director Of The Refectory Concepts And also the host of CNA's Food to Change the World Which is on You can catch new episodes Every Monday Or you can just do a catch up On Mi Watch Hey Chef Ming Hi So we had so much fun Talking about gut biome We've gotten to know Your insights Let's talk about Fun food related things Okay Just to get you know A little bit better This is a A standard set of questions I ask my makan kakis and we already talked about one of the weirdest things you've ever had to do whilst filming your food program. What is one of the weirdest things you've ever eaten or drunk?
0: I gotta say, there is this Scandinavian or Nordic preserved shark.
1: It's Icelandic.
0: Uh, Yes, that was probably one of the oddest things I've tried. There's there's one more that I hear tops it, called su Yeah, you should go watch there are these videos online of Japanese guys trying to eat it, and it's hilarious. Ooh, the, ooh. the can is pressurized and bloated intentionally. But mm. I hear that on foodies, weirdest things to eat, or hardest things to eat, this ranks near the top. You know, I Sustroming. always feel
1: like us from Southeast Asia, as eaters of many fermented things, blachan being one of them, and blachan uh-huh. has a rather interesting Rupan-ness. smell, right? I mean, it is pervasive and if you're not used to it, you'll think something has died, right?
0: (laughs) Got off, yes.
1: So if we as Southeast Asians are so used to these fermented items, I just feel like, you know, something like a preserved shark, which I have also tried myself, willingly. (laughs) Yeah, the smell, I think, by far was the most off-putting because some people have described it as, you know, a hundred-year-old men's urinal that's never been cleaned.
0: I mean, public toilets have a a certain uh, je ne sais quoi about that, right? Yes.
1: So for the preserved shark meat that you ate, was it a willing thing? Like as in you were on holiday and this is the thing you try or was it for filming purposes?
0: No, it was definitely a willing thing. I believe everyone should try everything at least once. Yeah. The thing that took me away was yes, the smell but it was a texture that was strange. It was waxy but soft and just resembled nothing I had ever tasted and eaten before. Oh, because and, you
1: know what my experience of it was? What? I thought it tasted like abalone. I mean, a little bit fishier, more intense and pungent. But texture-wise, that rubbery, chewy texture was quite abalone-ish
0: to me. I didn't get that. I, I don't know how to describe it. It had no elasticity. There was no return in texture.
1: Well, here's the thing. See, I went to a random supermarket in Reykjavik. I uh-huh. found it. Uh-huh. It was shrink-wrapped. I got it. I Wrapped it up in many, 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 many layers of newspaper. Brought it home and then popped it in the fridge. And then I had a tasting party with very unwilling friends who cursed and swore at me and said they would never, ever try anything <laughs> I recommended
0: ever again. Wait, so it wasn't refrigerated when you brought it back? That wasn't chilled? Was it chilled?
1: Um,
0: well... I mean, suitcase is going to be cold. Yeah, yes.
1: so from Iceland to Singapore, it wasn't refrigerated. It was kind of in my cold suit. And then the um, moment maybe, I got home, maybe
0: you expedited some of that flavour development, you know?
1: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> My friends will never let me forget it. I even provided Aquavit for them so, you know, we could chase the taste of it. I
0: just had an Aquavit experience with some cousins of mine recently. They were, one of them just came back from a work trip. Yeah. And I gotta say, Aquavit reminds me of one of the other questions you potentially say you're going to ask, which is things that I don't like to eat, which is strange, right? You think, yeah, I try everything once, I'm a chef, I should eat everything. No, but I do have preferences and dislikes. Mm. And one of them is anything that has a very persistent licorice or anise flavour. Have you had a graveyard before?
1: Yeah, don't like it. Yeah,
0: it's got this thickly sweet scent. It's
1: got Sambuca in it, right? Sambuca <laughs> in itself already has a very already intense aniseed flavour. It's
0: thing going, yeah.
1: Yeah. I- I'm with you. It's not one of my favourite things. The flavour of licorice is not an absolute favourite. Some
0: people love it though. Some people love it. They, they chew really licorice do. all the time. Yes, they yes. have it as a snack.
1: I don't understand that. But I- when I- it I comes to like eating like rotten shark meat, you know, yes. if you need a chaser, then I would say, yeah, Akuvik, please bring me some if it's a kill the smell I mean snow. that's
0: like forgetting a headache by breaking a toe you know <laughs> Yeah, distraction. Yeah, I guess it works, but are you meant to do that?
1: <laughs> I mean, we can with all sorts of ridiculous decisions when it comes to eating and drinking. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about foods that you do enjoy.
0: Okay, so there's this thing that I've realized about my preferences for cheese. It's evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. I used to be the kind of guy that liked, you know, mac and cheese and copious amounts of cheddar and drink cheese and anything that was mild or, or mildly, sharp tasting and just like fun to eat. Yeah. I really that I have solidified a very permanent liking for aged Gouda.
1: Mm.
0: Aged Gouda is, in my opinion, on par with the best cheeses on the planet. And I have confirmed this personal bias many times by obtaining specific hunts of aged Dutch gouda from various places and I enjoy it just as much as some of the best fresh cheeses or soft moldy rind cheeses around the world. It's really now my go-to cheese. If I need something that's creamier, I'll go with a younger gouda. If I needed something that had a little bit more bite, instead of using something like parmesan, Mm. I will use an aged gouda. It's really been a change and I think this is a permanent change for me.
1: Are you talking like in terms of like just for yourself to eat and your personal preference or even when it comes to being in the professional kitchen? So People food, cooking food for people, you're gonna go straight for your gouda.
0: Denise, let's not pretend that you don't understand what I'm talking about. If you're a cheese lover, right, <laughs> I don't care how you consume your cheese, you will <laughs> cut it into cubes and put it into a Tupperware container, into, you know, fridge. you'll create <laughs> it on every pasta dish you have. You I will mean, ask for more of it at the side when you're having a pizza. Yeah. Please, when you like cheese, right, you eat it in all forms. Okay? Listen, don't, I'm
1: just uh, shocked that you took the time to cut it into cubes and put it in a Tupperware. Oh, I mean, yes, like, bite. Eating it straight from the wedge.
0: The whole, wedge. Thing, uh, the
1: whole <laughs> <way>. <laughs> Eat it like a piece of watermelon.
0: <laughs> That's, yeah, I would say doing that doesn't give you the optimal ratio for flavor absorption. Cheese should be consumed in small amounts, multiple times for you to build up that flavor. If you mm. have a large hunk of cheese, mm-hmm. you won't be able to chew enough to coat your tongue and your taste buds with the full amount.
1: Wow, you just got scientific and technical, but this is actually quite a good chef's tip. Small amounts. Precisely. But a lot. Many small amounts.
0: Exactly why the really intellectual restaurants that want you to observe flavour and change and have a taste journey, they will give you things in small amounts so you can take your time to chew Mm. and then it can spread all over your tongue. For you to take a And enjoy mm. Right If there was a whole big bowl of it It's not going to have The same effect
1: I guess you're right And I think when it comes to Deriving pleasure from food A lot of it also comes with When there's a small amount You end up wanting more
0: Yeah And that longing Is enough to solidify That pleasurable feeling
1: Yeah um, <laughs> We had a giggle over this question And I'm very <laughs> excited about it If your cooking style Was an 80s pop song What would it be?
0: Well, we did have a giggle about this Because I don't know if if I could choose a specific song for this. But here's what I would like to offer. Okay. Most chefs have multiple types of playlists for the kitchen. They yeah. have a prep playlist and sometimes they will have a cleaning playlist. And a cleaning playlist is usually something to energize you. It's probably loud. It's either very heavy mm. or very high BPM. Like, I bring techno sometimes is great for cleaning down because it just makes everyone work faster. Yeah. But when you're prepping, when you're doing prep, and this is your own like, little space to like, focus and stuff, 80s and 90s music is definitely in my playlist. <laughs> I would say there's a fair amount of Banana Rama. I, I won't lie, there's a lot of Rick Astley. That basically is a mumbo playlist, lah. okay?
1: Mumbo Jumbo, Zook <laughs> Mumbo Jumbo, Classic.
0: Electric Dreams, you name it, it's gonna be in there. Just cause. That stuff is energetic But it's not too intrusive mm. And it just puts you In a fun mood And that opens up Your brain space For creativity I find la. I mm. think it puts you In a good mood I can't be in a bad mood Listening to that music Yeah, And you should never Work on something creative In a bad place
1: It affects the taste Of the food, doesn't it?
0: In a romantic sense, yes. Yeah,
1: I know it sounds fanciful A bit whimsical But I do think That if you cook In a bad mood Then it affects What kind of food You produce And hence the flavour And then hence The enjoyment of whoever is eating your food?
0: I think you would have to be a very, very technical eater that is extremely familiar with the person and the item in order to tell when something is different. And Mm. maybe some eaters are on that level, but I certainly... Don't think I'm at that level. Lah. No one has gotten an emotion from the person cooking it unless you have a relationship with the person. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So I was going to say that I probably wouldn't be able to tell if I were at a restaurant unless I knew the chef very well. But it, it's like at home. If you know, like yeah. for example, your yeah. mum is pissed off yes. and then she makes you your food, <laughs> it's not going to taste very nice.
0: Yeah. You know? or, or if a friend has baked something and you know what that person usually bakes and then this tastes, tastes, if you can probably tell that there's
1: something else. Yeah. I don't know how we ended up here when we were talking about <laughs> 80s pop music, but I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, my next question is also typical. I ask everybody this one. This okay. is the fantasy dinner party scenario. Who would you invite? What would you serve? And why? Who you invite is completely up to you. They can be fictional. They can be dead, alive, famous, not famous, whatever. But this is your fantasy dinner party.
0: Okay. So this is highly influential. By the food literature that I read. Mm-hmm. The first is taken off Anthony Baudin. He was always very curious about. Ho Chi Minh. For all his political activities, he was actually, for most of his working life as a youth, a chef. A French-trained chef.
1: Wow, that's yeah, so something I a, did not
0: know. You would be a fantastically absorbing and interesting dinner party guest. I think if he, if he wasn't talking about the food, he'd be talking about something else that was equally powerful. That would be one, and that's taken straight from Bourdain's writings. I, too, am fascinated when I hear that. The second would be, for me, another very famous person, George Orwell. Now, George Orwell was known for 1984 or animal, farm. animal Farm, but he wrote this other book earlier in his career that is a very visceral detailing of what it means to work in the service industry when you are poor. The book is called Down and Out in Paris and London. And literally, it is rough shooing it on the street. No money to spare for like renting a room. So they would sleep on wooden bars and everyone would lean on it upright and then go to work the next day. It was that level. This is like industrial revolution period. Things were grimy. Hygiene was still not really there. And Down and Out in Paris and London, he worked in multiple service industry-related things, including restaurants. And again, just having someone like George Orwell, who got to the heights of literary success from his time rough showing it, I think it would just be a fascinating person to talk to about appreciating food and appreciating the everyday things that we take for granted.
1: Wow, you are really giving me a complete education on people that I thought I knew. Then like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know This is where they came from Like Ho Chi Minh, a French trained chef And George Orwell was service staff yeah, Working in restaurants
0: basically. Yeah, it's very
1: Wow, fascinating. wow, wow, wow
0: So, just two guests? Yeah, with these two, you will have a lifetime Of information and content I think these, imagine sitting there With these two historical figures Yeah. And would you pay attention to what watch is wearing Or would you pay attention to the person And how they exuded this aura around them mm. How people felt around them it would be just such an experience just observing the entire night, not even saying a single word. I would just sit by the side and just watch. I'll have so much fun.
1: So, what would you feed them with? What would you serve them?
0: What? I don't know. Wow. I wouldn't try and serve or feed them anything, I would let them take the lead because I imagine this meal as I'm one of the guests also Mm. and they're holding court Mm. and I'm just a privileged attendee I want to see how they would run their own food parties whether it was a political meeting for Ho Chi Minh, or whether it was a bunch of very uh, aristocratic writers and patrons for George Orwell I would just love to be there as one of the guests
1: I'm even more simplistic than that just running with your idea I'll be like I want Ho Chi Minh to cook for me and I want George Orwell to serve me
0: (laughs) at the same time is it (laughs) you know uh, there's a high chance they would have gotten along because a lot of their work was about class if you think about it right Mm. wow there's so much to discuss here I never thought about this at all there's so much to do with class and the haves and the have-nots yeah Thankfully, in Singapore, I think now that that is changing, I think our attitudes towards the service industry have improved in mm. general. It was very different 10 years ago when I first told people I wanted to get into F&B and you know, the food scene wasn't quite as vibrant as it certainly is now. There wasn't such a positive association with going into food as a livelihood. But at the same time, we're also still suffering on many fronts with the manpower shortage now. Yeah. And yes, Restrictions are opening up. Great for F&B, but now the next challenge is can they manage to maintain standards and survive as businesses with 30% shortage on staff? That's going to be interesting for us to see also.
1: You're brand director of the refectory. You're looking at a big picture situation with several F&B concepts going on under one roof. How has that been? And also opening up in pandemic times.
0: Again, just very thankful for the staff of ours that can see the bigger picture and understand that this is a trying time for everyone. We hope to build things that are different also. Now we hear the conversation across the board, people talking about five-day weeks as a standard. Some restaurants even pushing for four-day weeks so that the staff can take more time off to live their lives and do other things besides spend 18-hour days in the restaurant. That used to be a badge of honour to wear. Yeah, like, well, I, You know, I work so late uh, the whole week, uh, I work 80, 80, 90 hours. Yeah, I don't think it's a badge of honour anymore because you can literally get worse and worse at your job the more you do it without getting a perspective from outside. yeah, That applies to a lot of industries.
1: Although, you know, you should be one to talk because like you may spend like yay a number of hours in the restaurant doing the restaurant stuff and then you have like, don't know how many other filming hours <laughs> making your TV show. <laughs> that is a whole other industry as well. The television production industry. I mean, those hours are also long, yeah?
0: Very, very long And I have the easy job, right? I just stand there and repeat lines <laughs> Some of these guys are, are lugging around Heavy kilograms of equipment And then they still have to go back And clean the junk Before they put it back into the racks, And then sign everything out After the end of a shoot I can just go home after that, right? Yeah It's tough I'm not even talking about The people in the editing suite also Having to deal with my 101 takes My <laughs> mispronounced words <laughs> It's a surprisingly long process uh, For I would say You can factor in easily 10 full days of filming yep. and maybe about 20 or 25 days in between in total per episode. So it is a fairly large amount of time every calendar year to set aside to juggle things with.
1: Despite that, obviously, it's something that you love to do. Is there going to be a season five?
0: I'm definitely open to exploring. As long as they want to continue having me tell (laughs) the story of food, I think I would love that opportunity.
1: Great. So if you want to catch the current season, we are chatting with the host of CNA's Food to Change the World, Chef Ming Tan. I feel like we could carry on talking more and more and more, but I know that time Time <laughs> is money, as you have mentioned. So, so, um, bad. so bad. <laughs> to talk about. indeed, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back in just a bit with your makan recommendations. Yes.